Hello and welcome to Fantasy Life Podcast, Super Bowl Questions Edition. I'm your host, Dean Hardis. It's a great day to be great. It's a great day to have the whole crew back together. That's right. It's your boy, Chris Allen, Dwayne McFarlane also. Fellas, how's it going? Chris, start with you, my friend. I'm doing well. I've been traveling the past couple of weeks. I've been going to conferences like for, for my main job. And so for those of y'all that don't know, like I, I work for the Air Force. I do uh, research into materials for like high-speed applications. So I do a lot of work with ceramics matrix composites so when i say cmcs in my normal job that is very different than when we talk about cmc like for our particular purposes so it's good to be back talking in just like normal parlance the things that i would normally like i would the acronyms i normally type uh, like to use so yeah glad to be able to talk about with y'all again it's been a couple of weeks so how y'all doing interesting freaking person chris let me just say that (laughs) Dwayne, how are you doing Uh, i'm doing good man happy to be here super bowl coming up getting to talk football, hanging out with two cool dudes. You know, I hear Chris talk about poker all the time. So I went to check out a, a new poker house that opened up by me. And uh, yeah, some dude just got his germs all over the pay, place. So other than that, you know, doing great. Yeah. Hate that. Chris, I'm sorry. I missed our uh, poker game a couple of weeks ago. Had to go watch my loser friend. Like, you know, he is a loser. He finished last in our fantasy football league. So <laughs> had to go watch that uh, last place punishment get done, but now back yeah. in the friendly confines of Columbus, Ohio myself. So boys, it's not very leading anymore. Last NFL game. That's going to be meaningful between now and September. I know it hurts, but you know what? It's one last opportunity to make the entire season go right. If we win a million dollars on Sunday, guys, like who the hell cares how the fantasy leagues went and everything? That's all we're going to remember. So, yes, while my dear friend and co-worker Matthew Friedman and Betting Life, he's preached, no, this is just one game. We should be responsible. I don't know, man. I, the way I see it, we got six more <laughs> months to make up for any mistakes we're going to we're going to make this Sunday. So, I'm excited. You're excited. And with that, let's get after it, everyone. Starting off with a simple question. Who will the Chiefs be featuring in the passing game this Sunday? Obviously, the 49ers and, honestly, the Chiefs are defenses that are far stronger against the pass than the run. So when we look at the strategy, maybe we will see a bit more Pacheco, a bit more CMC. We'll dive into that later. But, Dwayne, man, starting with you, just based on what we know about what's been a more zone-heavy 49ers defense, especially relative to the Chiefs, who do you think that KC can lean on? Or is it just going to be, once again, the Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice show? Yeah, I think it's going to be mostly Kelsey and Rasheed Rice, but I I think it just lines up perfectly, not just because that's what the Chiefs normally do, like they would probably do that anyway, but I think that the matchup works really well. Like when we look back at what Detroit was able to do against the 49ers, what did they do? They had Sam Laporta working the middle of the field. They had Amon Ross St. Brown. They were very effective, and they were getting the ball to their backs in the passing game. So if you look at the Chiefs, best three players on the team outside of Patrick Mahomes on offense are Travis Kelsey, Rasheed Rice, and then you have Isaiah Pacheco, who's really been the third most targeted player um, since the, you know, for these five games where we've had Jarek McKinnon out, uh, the third most targeted player behind, obviously, Kelsey and Rasheed Rice. So I think that this matchup works really well. Um, You look at the 49ers, it's kind of like Matthew Friedman outlined. They're not a defense that changes a lot. They kind of line up and they do what they do. But Andy Reid, we know that he's going to have all sorts of wrinkles, bells and whistles coming off of these. He gets that extra week to prepare. I think he's going to find extra ways to get the ball to these guys. They play a lot of that zone like you talked about, Ian. So that works well for Rasheed Rice because he catches a lot of passes behind the line of scrimmage. 28% of his targets this year have come behind the line of scrimmage. That's more than Debo Samuel at 25%. So I think that spells really big things for Rasheed Rice in this game, especially because Wilkes is not a guy that tends to, to change things up too much. So I think 
If they get that working early, likely they keep it working all game. So if I were to pick one player, Rasheed Rice, it's hard though. How do you go against Travis Kelsey? Like he's absolutely just dominating in the playoffs. So it won't surprise me if those if it's if it's one of those two. But I thought it was interesting what you mentioned. Yeah, the 49ers. They've been getting just stomped in the ground game, too. So we know Pacheco's, they're going to try to feature Pacheco. But the last time I thought that was just two weeks ago against the Ravens. I was like, oh, the Chiefs are going to come out. They're playing the number one pass defense from a yards per attempt allowed to quarterbacks. They're going to run this ball because we've seen we've seen the teams that committed to the run against Baltimore. They'd have actually been pretty effective. Most teams couldn't, though, because they were in trailing situations. And that's not what uh, the Chiefs did. They just came out and threw. They dropped back to pass sixty-eight percent of the time in the first half. So it's kind of hard to know for sure what Andy Reid is going to do here. But if I had to pick a player, I do think Rasheed Rice is the one that I like the most. You mentioned the overall just lack of downfield targets for him, uh, Dwayne. I actually went ahead and you know took a little bit of time this week. Only got one game, last game of the year. Can't hold anything back now. So I just watched all of his receptions this year, and dude's electric with the football in his hands. I mean, ESPN, Next Gen Stats, PFF. You're going to see him right up there with Debo in terms of the top three yak creators in the NFL. But yeah, an alarming amount of just you know blitz. Okay, settle in the open area. You know the hot reads that you're seeing him get, and then making good things happen with the football in his hands. Chiefs have run the most screens this year 17.2 percent of their pass attempts and accordingly it's been really a new version of Patrick Mahomes like this is not the 2018-2019 gunslinger one bomb after another sure like we saw against the Ravens he can still you know what Jason Witten say pull that rabbit out of his head when he needs to go out there and you know make an extra you know a few seconds behind the line but overall this season like only Joe Burrow and Jake Browning had a lower average target depth than Patrick Mahomes like Chris I feel like almost all the criticisms that people try to le- levy towards Brock Purdy, you know, this game manager is dink and dunk artist. I mean, if you just want to go by average target depth and some things like that, I mean, Mahomes has actually been the guy that hasn't been going downfield uh, more as often. So can't say I blame the guy. He's in the freaking Super Bowl. It's worked. I mean, I think we all remember the MVS drop against the Eagles. Maybe, you know, I wouldn't want to throw downfield that often after seeing that as well. But do you think this could be a situation, Chris, where, again, if us three idiots over here can talk about, okay, yeah, attack the underneath areas of the field, I'm sure the 49ers are expecting that as well. Do you think there is any chance that we see Mahomes have to try to take that game to a different level downfield? To a different level, no, I don't, I don't. I just can't see it because in order for them to continue working drives and continue to maintain possession of the football, which I think is going to generally be their game plan, because to Dwayne's point, if they want to try and decrease like the number of possessions that San Francisco might have, leaning on a guy like Isaiah Pacheco, who has, who has been somewhat efficient like as a, as a rusher, but also useful in the passing game to complement Kelsey and Rice then that would allow them to keep moving the ball downfield and then keep like it allows for less of uh, a thinner margin of error for a guy like Brock Purdy. Like, and that's San Francisco offense that's been more balanced anyway in terms of passing rate. So right now, if I'm looking at it, we've only seen like a just the bare minimum of guys like uh, like even like McCole Hardman, Justin Watson, and even MVS to a certain degree, who I know last week he was the one that called game and like wound up having the catch that allowed like propelled them into the Super Bowl. But I can't see them being at least a large staple like of that passing offense because even last week it was Justin Watson like with uh, with two targets uh, like MVS like had the four targets and even like cycling all the way back to the wild card matchup against the Dolphins we saw bits and pieces of them try to uh, try to push the ball downfield but we've seen how unsuccessful and how inefficient that offense has been. So I think for for them I think one of the lessons that they've learned throughout the entire regular season and now throughout the playoffs trust their evolution 
trust the fact that they just don't have the horses or the personnel to be able to tack downfield like they could in that 2018, 2019 season when they had Tyreek Hill, like, you know, running all over the place and Travis Kelsey was a bit more healthier and like able to take bombs like 13, 14, 15 air yards like per target. They just don't have that as of right now. But if they've been able to get this far off of Rasheed Rice, like getting up to 80, 90 percent of the targets and then be able to more or less dink and dunk their way all the way to the Super Bowl, moving away from that and shifting away from that to have to try and major in this downfield passing attack. I just don't see it. So I'm with both of y'all. I think it's easier for us to go ahead and take a like uh, to focus on Rasheed Rice. Focus on Travis Kelsey and get maybe a little bit more to both Pacheco, maybe even a, a smattering of CEH. And I think that's their best game plan so far. And I think we've so far through the playoffs, we've seen that to be their most efficient game plan. And to be fair, I mean, as much as Mahomes' average target depth has dropped, like Kelsey and Rice have still been making the most out of these opportunities. They haven't been inefficient, you know, with the sort of targets they're getting. I know Puka Nakua, deservedly, he's also had a ton of great interview, interviews on Radio Row and everything like that this week. So fantastic rookie season, broke the freaking record and everything. So he's stolen that spotlight. But just overall, guys, last 10 years, rookie wide receivers, most yards per out run, OBJ, AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson, Puka, Jamar Chase, Chris Olave, and Rasheed freaking Rice, even ahead of what Tyreek Hill put up back when he was a rookie in this offense. So truly great stuff from Rice and also Kelsey. My God, this is guys now since he's been with Mahomes, their sixth postseason together. Every single postseason, he has averaged one full touchdown per game. And this isn't like 0.6 and I rounded up. Like he is legit scoring a <laughs> touchdown a game out here. Absolutely astronomical. So Dwayne, yes, I think we've all decided the passing game is going to be going through Rice and Kelsey. But hey, we are, you know, some gambling men here. And it's the Super Bowl. So if there was an auxiliary option, whether it's an MBS, a Justin Watson, maybe a returning Kadarius Tony, if he is going to return, that remains to be seen. Anyone that you want to put a little money on? Or is the answer just no? So let's take the unders. No, I mean, if I was to pick someone, it probably is MVS just because we saw his season high route participation last weekend. The week before that, he came up with two big grabs, even though he double clutched them and just <laughs> didn't look comfortable at all. But he did catch them and he came down with them. It looks like the Chiefs are rewarding him for that. We did see some big plays last week, one for Josh Reynolds, one for Jamison Williams. It's not something typically you get against the 49ers, though. They're pretty good against the outside wide receivers and, de and defending the deep areas of the field. So we'll have to see. My guess is Wilkes is going to want to keep the game plan the same. Let's not give up the big plays, make them drive down the field. Hopefully they make, they make a mistake and then they have to punt the ball back to us and we know that you know the 49ers have a good offense that has the capability to make you pay every single drive the one other guy i would mention would be noah gray um he's he's had decent route participation i would say he probably be the next guy i would look at after mbs i haven't looked what the latest props are my guess is the lines are getting driven up because the closer we get to the game, nobody wants to sweat an under for the Super Bowl. Everybody, the betting public is going to want to sweat the overs. I thought Matthew Friedman did a great job. You guys can check that out for free over at fantasylife.com. He talked about how you approach Super Bowl betting in general, whether if you're betting it early versus where we are now, we're getting closer to the game and how high these lines can get. There's, there's typically going to be more value on the unders, even though it might not be as fun. And real quick on the Rasheed Rice thing, I, I just put together my top 150. So I do do some deeper research on Mr. Rice because the one thing I was concerned about was that low average depth of target. So I went back and I wanted to look because I was getting the same thing you're talking about, Ian. I was putting together composite scores for PFF receiving grade, yards per route run, target share, all those sort of things. And he was coming to the top of the list with all of these names. But the A dot was the one thing that was sticking out to me. So here are his comps. His closest three comps are Percy Harvin, 
who I think we can all agree was like on his way to having a great career. Just yeah. unfortunately, injuries, migraines, mm-hmm. things like that derailed. That was his closest comp because Jarvis Percy Landry? never did. <laughs> yeah, Jarvis Landry was not yes. close enough just because he didn't oh. do enough okay. uh, after the I'll catch. But but from the target perspective and then the the receiving grade overall, it was close for him. But Cooper Cup was next, and then the next was Debo Samuel, the guy that you've already named. So when I looked at the comps, I was like, you know, I'm not going to overthink this. He's also a rookie. So who are we to say that next year he doesn't develop more of a route tree and become more of a route runner? And the other thing is, is if, if defenses just want to take away the stuff over the top, and this is how the the uh, Chiefs are going to run their offense, and you've got Patrick Mahomes, like, I don't know. I feel like we just start overthinking it. But I've got him as my wide receiver 11 right now. So I felt like that was kind of high. Uh, based on his a dot but as i dug into it i just felt more comfortable with it mm-hmm. and i do subscribe to the notion that wide receivers usually do earn their a dot but there are you know flashes on the film of him making more out of those downfield opportunities sorry well, in college in college he was yeah. not just an underneath a dot guy right now yeah that's i will thing, tell yeah. you I, I didn't love him in college working down the field so there is that slight question of can <laughs> he really separate what I noticed with Rice is basically it was very late separation, but he was good at tracking the ball and catching it even when he would get late separation. And that was just based off of, you know, I think I watched like four games of him last year, uh, you know, for the film study stuff when he was coming out of, out of SMU. So I don't want to say he could never become that because he, even though it was, there were a lot of contested situations, he was pretty good, you know, at getting just, just enough separation at the last second to, you know, to get a clean catch. Mm-hmm. I was apologizing to Chris because his longest play of the year, I think the Chiefs' longest pass play period, ran straight past a poor Bengals cornerback and, you know, caught it deep downfield and ran for about 69 or so yards. So that was nice. And, yeah, just overall this year, he had two nullified touchdowns in the playoffs, obviously blew up against the Dolphins there, had a Bears game where he got tackled at the one-yard line twice. So really, again, yeah, Shishi, you know, stats that go into what was still a very productive season. Who would you guys rather take right now? Because uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is now going ahead of Rasheed Rice in mm-hmm. underdog drafts. So, and dude, Marvin Harrison Jr. I know this is by this is a we're getting off topic here, Ian. But you know, you're hey, our local Ohio State guy. Game. You know, mm-hmm. he's going ahead of Josh Allen now. Like, okay, What's guys, cool? we're going oh, too on. freaking far. Come on, man. Yeah, we're okay. going too far with Marvin Harrison Jr. What if his name was Ben Smith? Like, would we really be drafting him <laughs> where we are right now? He's really, really freaking good. There's no doubt. But yeah. I'm seeing a lot of mock drafts. I have him going the Patriots at three. That doesn't sound very good. That doesn't sound <laughs> like a top 12 wide receiver as right. a rookie. It's like we're just asking him to be Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson from day one. Like, yeah, I'm team. I bet Marvin Harrison Jr. will be at least a top 20, top 15 wide receiver within the next three years. I'm not low on the guy. But, Chris, this seems outrageous right now. Oh, uh, it is. And I think there's definitely some systemic risks associated with Harrison, depending on where he winds up landing. And then let's think about this kind of spinning it back to to the Chiefs uh, situation that we were just talking about. So for both of y'all, so let's say like Rasheed Rice, Dwayne, you said him, you had him at what, wide receiver 11? So yeah, let's say Harrison at 15. So I'm still okay. being aggressive with Harrison, but I'm below market. He's coming off the board as uh, I think like wide receiver 12 right now. Neighbors okay. is not far behind him either. So let's say the let's say the Chiefs go out and they get let's say replacements for a guy like MVS or any of the outside like boundary wide receivers. They have. I'm not saying that they go out and get T Higgins, that would kill me. Uh, that cannot <laughs> that cannot happen. But let's say they go out and get a guy that can play on the outside to kind of complement like what Rice can do underneath. I mean, does that change how we approach like Rice? Because we were saying like while he has been he did show 
capability of being able to play on the outside wall at SMU, if we wind up having a guy that can do some of that, the Chiefs go out and get that boundary receiver that we know that we need, does he justify that wide receiver 11 cost? Or is that something that drafters need to think about like for the 2024 draft? And that, I don't think so, just because I think if you earn targets, like you're just capable of earning t- that's That's not something that goes away. So I think it's a go. good point by you. It's it I, it would change things because target competition is real. Like mm-hmm. that is a real factor. I mean, we just saw it this year with JSN having to deal with uh, you know, DK Metcalf and having to come in and deal with Tyler Lockett. It's tough to be a, a rookie and come in and land on a team like that. So even though we're talking about Rasheed Rice being a, a second year player, if T. Higgins came there and Travis Kelsey's back, you know, you're gonna have to spread the ball around more. Like it's oh, it's yeah. gonna be tough. It's gonna it'll be tough for Rasheed Rice, even if he took a step forward as a player to get a better target share than what he's done basically since week 14 when he took over the starting role for the Chiefs, which is a 25% target share. 25% target share from Patrick Mahomes, you're going to score a lot of fantasy yeah. points. Yeah. Right? But so they, he might be closer getting, to 20, 21% if, if they sign somebody like Higgins. Yeah, but if it's like a, I don't know, I don't know if like DJ Chark only had like a one-year deal with the Panthers or something, no, but somebody in that. Yeah, but like in but a player in that realm, it's more yeah. of just like, oh, just a straight replacement for MVS, a slightly younger replacement for MVS. It, and it's like it would have to be uh, someone that to your point has shown a history of earning targets. If yeah. that happened, I think we would have to move Rasheed Rice down. But anybody yeah. in that DJ Chark type mold, like to me, that's like MVS. Yeah. It really is shocking how badly the Chiefs have missed on wide receivers for the last six years now. <laughs> okay, they got Tyreek Hill in 2016. Let's face it you know, kind of took on some issues that Tyreek had in his past. That's the only reason why he was available in the fifth round. They already had Travis Kelsey. I'm not trying to make the, oh my gosh, Mahomes hasn't had weapons argument. He's had some very, very good weapons. But I'm just saying, Mm -hmm. since 2018, yeah, nailed Rasheed Rice. Awesome, great draft pick. The other wide receivers they drafted, Miko Hardman, Sky Moore, Cornell Powell, Traymond Smith and Jehu Chason. Byron Pringle was an undrafted free agent. Congrats. Shout out Byron. You know, major free agent signing. Was, wasn't Chris Conley in there or was he before that? He was before that. That's what yeah. I'm saying. So I'm going from 2017 when they drafted Mahomes to present day. And their major free agent signings. Like they gave MVS 30 million. They gave Sammy yeah. Watkins almost 50 million. Juju Smith Schuster, they traded for Kadarius Tony. I was a sucker for that one. My God, Ian, use your head for once in your life. I mean, Justin Watson's one of their best like free agent signings. So Fun fact, speaking of Justin Watson, he is not the only player to catch a touchdown from Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady. That would be Josh Gordon. So love that flash. But yeah, guys, overall, I mean, I think the one takeaway here that I had kind of going through this, yes, the Chiefs have been able to get in the freaking Super Bowl. Who cares about how, how good the offense was in the regular season? But this is not the same monster as past years. I mean, they have gone at this point, let me see, nine straight games without, yeah, okay, nine straight games without scoring 30-plus points. That's tied with the Commanders for the fifth longest streak in the NFL. Sorry, Titans fans. Number one at 36. They have not scored 30-plus <laughs> points in a game for more than two years. So that shocked me. But, yeah, it just comes back down to the idea where, yes, I'm sure Mahomes, if they win, he has a very good chance of lifting up that Super Bowl MVP trophy. But this version of the Chiefs is all about that defense. Right now, only the 2002 Buccaneers, the 2000 Ravens, and the 2013 Seahawks have actually allowed fewer points per game than what the Chiefs have allowed during this playoff stretch. So the corners, you know, Chris Jones and company in the D-line, absolutely loaded, and it's going to be a problem for Sam Fran. Before we get to that, though, guys, I want to give a quick shout-out to our lovely partners over at Hugo Boss. They have actually launched an exciting collaboration with the NFL for Super Bowl 58. This limited edition offering 
celebrates the spirit and excitement of the upcoming Super Bowl with the unique blend of sophistication and athletic prowess expected from Boss. This limited edition line features jackets, t-shirts, sweatshirts, and hoodies in refined silver, white, and black hues celebrating Super Bowl 58. Stand out from the crowd with this limited edition capsule available exclusively on Boss.com, in Boss stores in Las Vegas, and at NFLshop.com. All right, fellas, we broke down majority of the Chiefs offense, but we deservingly, you know, got to save a little bit of time here for Isaiah Pacheco in the ground game. Dwayne kind of mentioned that at the beginning, but really both sides of the football. And we see this with all the best defenses, Ravens, Cowboys, you know, 49ers, Chiefs, all these teams apply where, yes, they're one of the league's best overall defenses. Also, one of the best defense against the pass, not quite as good against the run. So I'm not going to say that they can't stop the run, but they've certainly had a ton of success devoting more resources to slowing down passing games. As we saw last week, and as you mentioned, Pacheco should have had a matchup like that. He got 24 freaking rush attempts to do so, wasn't quite able to make it happen. How much success do you see Pacheco having this Sunday, Dwayne? Do you think he'll continue to dominate utilization, even if we get Jarek McKinnon returning? Yeah, it sounds like as of right now, you know, McKinnon is a long shot to play this weekend. So I don't think we have to be too concerned. And if he's a long shot, it's like, how healthy is he going to be even if he's available? Right. Mm -hmm. So I think I I would lean towards Pacheco having his typical role, maybe loses a little bit of the two minute offense, you know, if Jarek McKinnon gets going. But I think on the ground, he's going to get his carries. You know, if you look at the playoffs, he in 24 carries, 15 carries and 23. So averaging 20.7 carries per game. You know, we saw what Aaron Jones did against this defense for the 49ers. And then we also saw the Detroit, the Detroit Lions turn around and do the same thing. David Montgomery was having an absolute beast day. Jameer Mm -hmm. Gibbs also not so bad. So, yeah, I think Pacheco's going to get his here. Um, I think, you know, he's going to have a shot. I think Friedman had an interesting bat out um, in his uh, in Friedman's favorites this week over on Fantasy Life. I think it was I don't know if it's still up. But there, you get like 23 and a half point. You get 23 and a half yards to take Pacheco to beat CMC and rushing like for that. the game. And I was I like, man, know. 23 and a half yards. Like, I think I would take that over CMC. Mm-hmm. One I found that I really like is over at DraftKings, the alternate lines. You can get 80 plus rushing yards at plus 170 odds. I mean, his over under is at 66 and a half. And you got to bet, you know, minus 180 at 170. That yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's it's actually been staying there. So our fans yeah. like projections powered by Dwayne and Friedman themselves actually straight up have him for 80.2 rushing yards. So again, love that one right now. And not trying to hate on Fred Warner or Nick Bosa, but again, I think it's the idea that they are devoting more resources to the passing game. Game. And then also, as Dwayne stated, I mean, Pacheco is getting fed the freaking rock in recent weeks as well. So I'm with you, Dwayne. If McKinnon is back, if anything, it's just going to take more so out of the past game work. But I'm with you. Probably not going to be all that much. So, Chris, any other props you like with uh, Pacheco and the Chiefs run game? Uh, pretty much all the overs. Just give me all the overs <laughs> against this 49ers defense. Yeah, you got uh, a CEH prop, Chris? No, I don't have a CEH <laughs> prop, honestly, because I, I was looking at, I was, I was going to start looking at those like later today, although like to your guys, both of your points like from earlier, I mean, it is a little bit late in the week in order to be doing some of those bets. But either way, going up against the 49ers defense, I mean, we've seen so far throughout the playoffs, opposing running games, being able to get over on them. But that's been the case throughout the entire regular season. Uh, Throughout the regular season, uh, they were 21st in rushing success rate, 25th in EPA per rush. And that was both before and after they wound up making the trade, like for Chase Young, to try and bolster that defense, like overall. So we've seen, and like also some of the opposing running games that they've seen so far, we've had, we've seen a number of their running backs have, I guess, uh, go over their rushing average, like in terms of both EPA per rush and rushing success rate. So 
this is going to be one of those games where the team going into it, I mean, the 49ers going into it, know that they have a problem on defense. But as Dwayne was pointing out earlier, Steve Wilkes like has been more of a stat has more had more of a static approach to calling plays or like calling that defense. So unless they're going to try and devote a ton of resources to just stopping the stopping the run and that's it. I mean, but still, Patrick Mahomes has enough from a passing standpoint to get by most of what they're going to try and throw at him. So I'm I'm on like most of those Pacheco overs for sure. 49ers have allowed five different running backs to clear that 80-yard mark this season. And interesting enough, none actually needed more than 18 carries to get there. So Pacheco, last four weeks, yeah, had the 68 on 24 rush attempts last week. Before that, though, 97, 89, and 130 rushing yards. So, Chris, you mentioned Chase Young, man. I'll just say, like, is there a more kind of, like, overrated D lineman in the league? Like, I know he's the number two overall pick, but I just feel like because he came out of Ohio State right after Joey and Nick Bosa, it was like, oh, yeah, he must be that level as well and just i don't think it's the case man i don't want to stomp a whole dude's career with one play but like if you watch that jameer gibbs touchdown from last week that was an absolute loaf out there and i found out what mm-hmm. that term was when i could play to college football for one year d3 chase young would eat me with a smile on his face let's not get crazy here but uh after the game guys like we you know you get you talk to your position coach you watch film and you get your grades and i had never done that before we didn't do that in high school and like you know i played five plays or something like that as a backup linebacker and on like two of them my coach just wrote like loaf and i was like what does this mean he's like run to the ball kid but he said <laughs> not nearly as nice as that and i was like okay fair enough point taken yep. they are watching everything so we are yeah. also watching uh, chase young out here but all right guys I think we did a good job encapsulating most of the chiefs offense let's now go to brock purdy and company and just overall look at this pass game specifically what 49ers pass catchers are set up best this week Dwayne, it's one of these things where over the years we've seen debo samuel and Brandon Ayuk go back and forth and oh yeah there's George Kittle and oh yeah Christian freaking McCaffrey is going to get his 25 to 30 touches a game so if you had to just look at the matchup Dwayne and what we've seen out of the recent utilization who would be the 49ers pass catcher you feel the most confident in maybe taking an over or two on this I think it's really tough uh, because when you look at the Chiefs and the way they play defense they'll use man coverage when they need to but they're not strictly man Um, they've got cornerbacks that they can move around so it's not like some of these teams where, oh, you can just protect somebody in the slot. You can just protect them. You can protect them by getting them off the line of scrimmage, putting them in motion, doing things like that. The 49ers run more motion than anybody else in the NFL. So they're going to they're gonna get their looks that way. But it's hard to get away from, from the matchup issues that the Chiefs can cause um, you know, on defense. And the Chiefs are the number two pass defense and yards per attempt allowed. So I definitely think the 49ers have their work cut out for them. But... They've got four weapons they can throw the ball to. And even the best defenses in the NFL are going to struggle to cover that many options. There's just, you're going to spring a leak somewhere. The challenge I have, Ian, is like, where is it going to happen? I don't think we can say for sure um, because they do run a blend of coverages. If I had to pick, though, I kind of like Kittle just because I feel like the linebackers in the middle have been susceptible. And then if I look at the defensive backfield for the Chiefs, the whole thing's good. But if I had to pick a place that I was going to go after, it's probably the safeties. So I think Kittle can end up with a decent matchup either against a linebacker or against a safety. But again, it's really hard for me to have any confidence because they're all so good. This is is honestly a hat tip to the 49ers. They are so loaded. It's hard to pick who is going to be the guy to go off each week when you're playing a balanced defense because it could really be any of them. Mm -hmm. You're spot on, Dwayne, where they don't, overwhelmingly run man they do run a good amount of it but more than anything i think it kind of goes back to actually when jamar chase was 
you know, talking a little bit of shit about their corners, basically saying like they don't have a Jalen Ramsey. It's the way they play defense that makes them so effective. And the big thing that they do more more than anyone legit is they leave the middle of the field open. Like these guys are constantly in too high, providing one safety help in the right side, one safety help in the left side. And then, you know, pretty much shutting down passing games of all shapes and sizes as they do it. So, again, it's one of these things where maybe Kittle could be, you know, prone to run up the middle of the field. What's their, what's their too out. high rate? What's their too high rate, Ian? I didn't look. I was it was it was fifty percent. They were the only team that has okay. again just that yeah. open open. Yeah, I knew it was a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. you know, again, still just fifty percent. As much as I can say that the most. I mean, that's, that's a lot doing, though. Oh, it is high, yeah. 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 So, and again, but that's what I think what's done such a good job for them limiting uh, those big plays. Like, okay, I know Zay Flowers got loose last week. That was a complete coverage bust. That will Mm -hmm. happen. But it's Zay Flowers, Joshua Palmer got over 100, and Christian Kirk got there with like 10 or 11 catches. Those are the only guys to put up huge numbers on them this year. So, Chris, you feeling the same way? Maybe it's a Kittle week. It's it's one of those things. I will say, hand up. I'm a little scared. Dwayne said that because one of the bets I put down is Kittle under 23 and a half yards plus 475 odds so i'm just sprinkling here i'm not trying all right you got the plus 475 i'm not trying to project the guy there but uh what are you thinking here chris no i i agree with you guys that at least looking at the the receivers or pass catchers just in general that are going to be running like towards the interior portion of the field are those guys to target and i think you hit on the trend right there ian because think about like, where do we typically expect a guy like Josh Palmer to line up and the types of routes that he's going to run? The same thing for Christian Kirk. And while Devonta Smith didn't get over 100 yards, I think he had like 99, yeah. like in that week 11 matchup. Sorry, Devonta. Yeah, I mean, it's like super close to it. But I think across all three of them, the trend was that, I mean, these are guys that have high rates or high snap rates like from the slot. I think Josh Palmer in that game, around 44% of his snaps like came from the interior. Christian Kirk, we already know that he's going to be 65, 75% of his routes coming from the slot. And even in that game uh, against the against the Eagles, when Devonta Smith almost got to the century mark, uh, about 35% of his snaps came from the slot. That was like his second or third highest mark on the entire season. I think the only other, like the higher marks, I think, was when they played against the Bills. Uh, but still... I mean, that has been the way that a lot of other passing games have tried to attack instead of trying to uh, poke at any of their perimeter guys. Let's look to the interior so that I think in theory that would favor a guy like Debo Samuel. He has been the one to play like more of the interior snaps, shorter a dot. I think only like four or five air yards per target, at least just during the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So if that is going to be like the way that you want to try and create explosives, or try and get more like run after the catch uh, type of scenarios. Like for a guy like Debo, that essentially uh, sets up for him. But as we were talking earlier about a guy like Brock Purdy, who can create out of structure, I mean, he's trying to hit, like he's trying to swing for the fences whenever he gets put under pressure. So that's where a guy like George Kittle can wind up creating. Like if they do wind up, uh, the pass rush does get home. So I lean towards Debo just because, systematically or just the way that that offense and the opposing defense matches up, it would be a game where you'd want to use the guy that plays on the interior. So a guy like Debo, maybe Juwan Jennings, who's also played like from the interior as well, like those types of guys. But at the same time, if Purdy does have to create, if Purdy does get knocked off the spot and wants to look downfield, that is where a guy like Brandon Ayuk, who has been averaging like what, 13, 14 air yards per target, also, he has been one of the more targeted players like for Brock Purdy once he is under duress. It's like it's him, it's Kittle, it's Juwan Jennings. Surprisingly enough, Debo, at least throughout the playoffs, I mean, it's a two-game sample. It has been like Debo Samuel that has the fewest targets when Purdy is put under pressure. But still, like it's a pick-your-poison type of thing. So I do lean towards a guy like George Kittle who already has the baseline target share. 
to be the guy that uh, a guy like Purdy would lean on. And then also works in the area of the field that would suit him best against that particular defense. But outside of that, it will wind up being one of those like, oh, I can see Ayuk wind up beating uh, man coverage for a long game. CMC, who's had like, I think he's had the most targets of any of the uh, San Francisco pass catchers like throughout the playoffs. He can break off like one. Debo can obviously break off one. So it's just any of those guys, minus Chris Conley probably. I mean, the, even though he does have the uh, the revenge game narrative. <laughs> but still, it's like any one of those guys can wind up being the one to, to wind up breaking a big one. So I lean towards Debo. Again, I'm not too terribly confident about it. And hey, to be fair, looking specifically at those two high coverages, cover two, four, six, and then two man, it has gone Debo and then CMC and then Ayuk and then Kittle in terms of actually who's seen the most targets. But, you know, when we do start thinking of the things Purdy can do off script, I mean, for my money's worth, I think his best pass of the entire postseason was probably that dime to Kittle when he had to make something happen against the Packers, you know, in the divisional round. And then, of course, I don't know, maybe Brock Purdy just throws the ball off a Lions defender's helmet and Brandon Ayuk decides to turn that into a 50-yard gain as well. So again, and that's the thing, like, even if, and again, I think now the whole, like, this is pretty good or bad. Like, what are you freaking smoking? Like, of course, he's really good at this point. The nucleus of that argument was like, is this dude the single best, you know, league MVP out there? But hey, the offense with them under center. Really no debate about who's been the best. Since he came in in week 13 of 2022, Niners are first in EPA per play, yards per play, and touchdown drive percentage. Pretty damn good. But Chris actually alluded to my favorite prop bet of the week, everyone. Brock Purdy, over three and a half rush attempts. He's cleared this in three of his four full playoff games, not including the Eagles one where he got injured. Chiefs have allowed the third most quarterback rush attempts against him this year. And I think accordingly, it does have to do with them playing a good bit of man coverage. Fifth highest scramble rate has been against the Chiefs this season. So Purdy, you know, sneaky athletic, gym rat, you know, hard hard hat, lunch pail type of guy. Of course, he's white. You know, we can all kind of agree on this. He can scoot a little bit. He can move. I think he can get a few scrambles there. Maybe, just maybe, we even get the benefit of the doubt with a kneel down in the end of the first half or second half. Fellas, if I could script, like, I don't necessarily want to say I want the 49ers to win, but just for my bets, man, I want to hit the over on the national anthem to start the game right. And then at the very end, I want Purdy at three rush attempts and then the victory formation to kneel. So it's just like from start to finish, we are just winning, baby. But Mm -hmm. let's talk about, obviously, the one big star that we might see the entire 49ers offense continue to revolve around. That is Christian McCaffrey. And, guys, the question is, does Run CMC have a legit chance to win MVP honors? Dwayne, I thought you did a great job in your critically acclaimed utilization report going through just how ridiculous of a workload he's seeing. I believe the quote was best we've seen in 23 years in the Super Bowl. That's crazy. Man. Yeah. Yeah. For a running back coming into the game, like their utilization profile, basically just looking at opportunities per game. Uh, we have to go all the way back to that 2000, 2001 season with Jamal Lewis. So there's a flashback, the Tennessee Vol, Jamal Lewis, uh, for the Ravens back then, he had he averaged 25.75 attempts and 1.25 targets per game. So 27 opportunities per game. It's just a hair ahead of CMC, 26.5 coming in. So yeah, hat tip back to to uh, Jamal Lewis, but also CMC is he's going to get the ball no matter what. Like we've seen two trailing game scripts so far in the playoffs. That first game, four points or more, they were trailing 52% of the plays by four-plus in the divisional round against the Packers. Okay, fine. We're not going to run the ball. We're just going to throw the ball to CMC. At a 33% target share, Chris mentioned, CMC actually leads the team in target share for the playoffs. He's the running back, and he's doing this. He had 31.8 fantasy points in that game. Next game, 
against the Detroit Lions, 68% of their plays, they trailed by four-plus points, and we saw the same thing. But this time, the 49ers decided, well, we're down, but we're still just going to continue running the ball. CMC still ended up with 20 rushing attempts and five targets. So he's getting the ball no matter what. There's no game script that can erase him. There's no matchup that can completely erase him. It's just a matter of like how efficient is he end up is he going to end up being. And you mentioned it earlier, you know, in the show, Ian, that really like when you look at the Chiefs, the best way to attack them is on the ground. So I do think that the 49ers will try to stick with that, even if they get behind and knowing that this is not the Chiefs offense that we saw in 2018 and 19 that you so astutely pointed out. They're probably not worried about them blowing up for 45 points. So even if they get down by like 10 early, I think they're still going to stick with the run. So, yes, I see CMC absolutely having a monster game. And anytime you're going to have this kind of touch volume. Yeah, he's going to have a chance to win MVP. Basically, if Brock Purdy doesn't like I think CMC is the next closest has the next best chance to do it on the 49ers side of the ball. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, I look back at the last two games, the divisional round, the NFC championship. If we had to name an MVP after those games, it's him. Oh, yeah, it mm-hmm. wasn't Purdy. Purdy went for 252 and one touchdown, 267 and a touchdown. Okay, you know, add on 48 rushing yards. CMC is going off 128, 130 total yards and two scores. Yeah, the player, yeah, the player that beat expectations at their position in both of those games was the running back. It was yeah, CMC, yeah. not not the passer. Yeah. It is a primary quarterback award, 56% all-time quarterback. Since 2000, though, 58%. Like, I thought those numbers would have been higher as I was trying to go through and actually research that. So, Chris, we've seen seven running backs capture this in NFL history. Larry Zonka, Franco Harris, John Riggins, Marcus Allen, Otis Anderson, Emmett Smith, and then most yeah. recently Terrell Davis. So it has been a while. These running backs average 160 total yards, 1.7 touchdowns. This season, CMC's averaged at 127 and 1.4. Do you think he can di- get it done, Chris? We're getting, you know, pretty solid plus 450 odds if you can. Yeah, I think that's possible. I mean, just because as we were talking through it and even just seeing his performance over, over the last couple of games leading up to the Super Bowl, I, he has been like the the quote-unquote like the engine TM like of, of that offense, like outside of, I mean, them being able to create explosives off of like the, you know, like you mentioned, the Lions, uh, you know, face mask, like creating explosive downfield. But it has been CMC. And I think it was, I think it was Greg Olson like on the call uh, when they were playing uh, like last week where he was mentioning an interview I think he had with Kyle Shanahan where it's like, why are you guys like so dedicated to the run? And he was like, because at some point CMC is going to break one. Now, while that sounds like super football guy, like, you know, that sort of thing, it does show that their commitment like to that particular uh, like brand or style of like calling plays, because at that point it was CMC just running right into the, like the teeth of uh, like the teeth of the, like, the lion's defense. But then afterwards we saw him break off like a 25 yard run and get into the end zone. Uh, I mean, they never waver. Kyle Shannon never wavered in terms of how he was calling plays. Even when they're down two scores, their pass over expectation was about like 1.4, like one, one and a half percent. And it stayed the same even when they were in like essentially like a neutral situation like within within one score. So they know that what they have like in Christian McCaffrey because they know they can call at least a, 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 a diverse running game like with him like in the backfield. So it doesn't matter like whether or not they want to use him as a running back, whether they want to have him split out or go out like and run routes downfield. So his all-purpose yardage I can easily see being over like 125 to 150 yards considering he has been targeted as a pass catcher and also we see him being the primary running back i mean with how much he's being used like once they get inside the 10 and inside the five 
him having at least 150 all-purpose yards plus a score or two, that instantly, at least in my mind, if the 49ers win, it puts him in like Super Bowl MVP territory. Especially if we can, can we can see a scenario where Brock Purdy winds up getting, let's say, 250, 275 passing yards, maybe one touchdown, but then he throws an interception. But then it's all most of the yardage, like some of the receiving yardage goes to CMC. We know most of the rushing yards is already going to go to Christian McCaffrey. Then if the 49ers wind up winning, they almost have like at that point in my mind, they have to give it to CMC in terms of being who that MVP for the 49ers offense is going to be. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Dwayne, you and me were two of the many idiots, if not all idiots out there who did not rank CMC as the number one fantasy player going into 2023. You do have him atop the pole entering 2024. It's CMC. Just we're, we're not overthinking this again. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame anyone if they want to take one of the wide receivers. I, I still think like the argument can be there for for right now. I think CD Lamb and then looking at, you know, Tyreek Hill, uh, Justin Jefferson, if we know Kirk Cousins is going to be back, I think yeah. he enters the chat. And so I think really any of those four are fine. And I think you can argue Jamar Chase should be in the conversation if T Higgins leaves town because he has Joe Burrow. Yeah. I mean, Jar- Jamar Chase could easily be the wide receiver one. I think all those guys are going to be around 20 fantasy points per game. And so Mm -hmm. I don't think you really go wrong with any of them. But as you've seen with CMC, because he's so involved in every facet of the game, and the one worry we had last year was Elijah Mitchell. They really tried to use Elijah Mitchell to rest him. They didn't do that at all this year. So they just got away from that. And so if they're just going to continue feeding CMC, and at this point, why not? Like he's getting up there in age. He's not going to be playing for your team a whole lot longer. Why not just let him go out in a blaze of glory? So I think there's, there's some risk with CMC. He's getting older, but he offsets it because... He does so much work in the passing game. And that's one thing we've seen for these older backs that are anomalies. Like if you can continue to stay relevant in the passing game, that can help kind of pad the floor. You may not always have the same ceiling that you had in the past, but you still have a better floor. So I think that's working in CMC's favor. But again, I don't blame anyone if they take, uh, you know, one of those two wide receivers right now over CMC. I remember the 2022 Elijah Mitchell splits, very real, you know, decent mm-hmm. enough sample size, at least relative to the limited amount of time CMC was there. And then, yeah, week two of the season, 100% snaps for McCaffrey. And, <laughs> yeah, we found, found out we made a, a big, big mistake there. So, guys, we got some book calls on the way. But first, listen up, football fans, because this is the last weekend of the year to get your football bets in. We've accordingly teamed up with DraftKings. Right now is the perfect time to get in on the action. DraftKings is giving all new customers $200, not even 100, 200 people, and bonus bets instantly when they place their first $5 bet on anything. There's no time like the present. Download the DraftKings app now and sign up using our promo code QUESTIONS. The crown is yours because that's right, everyone. Again, New customers who bet just $5 will get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Wondering what you can use that $200 in bonus bets on? Well, you can combine multiple bets together from Super Bowl 58 for a shot and even bigger payout. If you're already signed up for DraftKings, you can make a bet on Super Bowl 58 and get a bonus bet back instantly. Get a bonus bet in the amount of your initial wager. Max reward does vary. And sports betting is not yet available in your state. Not to worry. You can still join in on all the fun with DraftKings Daily Fantasy and have a shot at winning cash prizes. Download DraftKings Sports Sportsbook app now. Again, new customers use our promo code QUESTIONS. Bet just five bucks on any wager to win $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's promo code QUESTIONS only at DraftKings Sportsbook. The crown is yours. Guys, last bold prediction. Not forever, but, you know, for a football game for a while. So let's make them count here. Again, sponsored by DraftKings. Appreciate you guys. What is your bold call for Super Bowl Sunday? Dwayne, the floor is yours. 
Yeah, I'll stick with Rasheed Rice. You know, I think he's just going to, it's just the way this game lines up, it should be really good for him. I think he ends up getting eight, nine targets in the game. So let's say since they're lower average depth of the target, he comes up with six catches, Ian. I forgot what it has to be to be bold. I always forget your requirements. Uh, let's say 113 <laughs> yeah. yards. All right, all right. Six catches for 113 yards and a touchdown. Okay. I like it. That was I know I'm supposed to say two touchdowns, so fine. <laughs> it's it's one game here. It's a little harder to go. We have a full slate, like, yeah, yeah give me the two <laughs> touchdowns. But, no, I'll accept it, Dwayne. Uh, Chris, what do you think? All right. I'll stay on the same – like, for the same squad, but we'll go to the backfield. We were talking about Isaiah Pacheco earlier. I do like, as of right now, let's see, over on DraftKings, he's got his line set at, like, 68 and a half yards. And, like, we were talking earlier, uh, Dwayne's projections got him at just over 80. I'm going to put him in the triple digits. I'm going to say over 100, over 100 yards, two scores uh, for Isaiah Pacheco. Right now, uh, at least over the past couple of weeks, once they get into the red zone, Chiefs' like pass rate over expectation has been like it like negative. They have been running a bit more now. That was skewed because that one game they had like in the freezing cold against against the Dolphins. But still, if he's been getting the opportunity, we don't think that we'll have much competition with Jarek McKinnon. Like he does seem like a long shot to play in this game. And this is also going back to. Talking about the 49ers run defense, uh, looking at throughout the regular season, about 15, 15 running backs that played against the 49ers were also the primary ball carriers like throughout the entire regular season. So not just looking at that one sample, but comparing that one game that, that those running backs played against the 49ers to their seasonal average, over two-thirds of them outkicked their seasonal average in terms of rushing success rate, also outkicked their average in terms of adjusted yards after contact per carry. So we know that the 49ers are going to wind up seeding a decent amount of rushing yards to Pacheco anyway, but also like knowing how well Pacheco has looked throughout the playoffs after coming back from that shoulder injury, like that's easier enough for me to look at uh, Pacheco being like the guy that they would you would want to target from a betting standpoint. So I'm thinking Pacheco over 100 yards, two touchdowns, like that's what I'm thinking for him for, uh, for Sunday. Plus 350 odds over on DK for Pacheco. I'll Clearing take 100. that. If you add those two touchdowns to it, we will really be talking. So you guys both lean Chiefs? Is that what I'm understanding here? I'll, t- I'll like financially. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll do you take think the Chiefs are going to win the football game? I think the Chiefs will win. I do. Win. I think the Chiefs will win. I Man, it's going to be close. Like The 49ers are the better team. But the Chiefs have Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes, so it's like, how do you bet against it? It's just so right. hard at this point. I, I've tried to go against Mahomes for like multiple weeks, and I've lost every time, so I'm just going to join him. The yeah. one thing we learned was like, okay, when Mahomes is facing Tom Brady, maybe we don't you know, completely just go all in on him. But Tom Brady's retired for the time being. So, yeah, I'm also riding with the Chiefs here. So, 49ers fans, you guys can pretty much celebrate the championship now with us three goobers going ahead and taking KC. My specific, though, bet is going to – or bull call is just going to get uh, kind of you know rude towards Purdy. Again, really freaking good quarterback. But I think, sadly, guys, for people that don't agree with that, you've seen them all over social media. The true slanderers out there. I think this is going to be heavy ammunition. Purdy's going to throw not one, not two, but three interceptions under 200 passing yards. The Chiefs win an otherwise ugly game, 20 to 10. And yeah, there really isn't even too much to write home about other than Brock Purdy sadly proving those game manager notes. And again, I don't agree with, but for one 60 minute afternoon, I think he proves them right, mostly because of the brilliant play from that Kansas City defense. So again, we're all picking the Chiefs and accordingly, Sports 49ers probably going to go ahead and can't get it done but. damn three interceptions for party against it like if i if that happens uh, we're gonna have to put kyle shanahan on like suicide slash homicide watch like if he watches his quarterback implode like that in the Dude, super bowl and that man had is- 
at least four, if not five, dropped interceptions in these last two games. I know. He is he is the breaking bad meme. He can't keep getting away with this. Like that that is that is Purdy, like for sure. But if that happens, I'll feel so bad for Kyle Shanahan. Like I know I just said that I, I I'm picking the Chiefs to win, but it's like if that's the way they go out, like if it's a hard fought game, maybe comes down to like a, a field goal or like a walk off touchdown from Pacheco or something like that, where it's like the defense that we knew was going to be a problem is going to like if it's because of a Purdy implosion in that game. Oh man, but that's that's gonna be so tough. <laughs> that's gonna be so tough. And again, I don't even what who's the last quarterback to look good against this Chiefs defense? Jordan Love, Josh Allen. I guess those are probably the two answers right there. But probably, yeah, I don't know that uh, Purdy has that exact you know tool in his bag for this one. But you know, I've been wrong before. Certainly could be again, fellas. Dwayne, anything else you want to get off your chest? What are you doing for the Super Bowl? Uh, hanging out with family and friends. Hopefully, yes, you should, hopefully, man. if if yeah. That's the plan right now on Sunday. Feel better, sir. We all appreciate you. Chris, our local grill master, what you got going on? Yeah, I'm cooking. Uh, so I've got – so I'm look. I'm looking at this uh, – like it's a jerk chicken egg – like fried egg roll like recipe Ooh. that I – like. yeah, like I, I'm down with some Caribbean cooking. So I'll probably do something like that, uh, you know, the buffalo chicken dip. Uh, my daughter who's in the military, like she's actually coming home from the West Coast. Uh, she'll hey. be – she's actually coming home tomorrow. So she'll be in town, so hanging out with the family – Get a little cooking in because uh, you know that's what I like to do, and of course I'll be sipping on some uh, some homebrew. So that that'll be Sunday for for the Allen family. Yeah, just a responsible one to twelve beers. You know who who the hell knows what things. Are closer to twelve, not gonna, not gonna lie, close closer to twelve. Yeah. For, for the love of God, can we move President's Day to this Monday after the Super Bowl? I mean, I remember, <laughs> I remember Bill Simmons saying this when I used to listen to BS Report as a kid, and like it still holds true to this day. Yeah. Such a shame that's not a national. That's party. what. So whoever like so this not to get political. I know it's like <laughs> presidential election. Like someone needs to run on that platform. They got my vote. Like they just like they're just gonna start make that make the Monday after the Super Bowl. A national holiday, you got you got my vote locked up. Could not agree more there. Seriously, you know how many votes you can get there? It'd be like the you know, oh, just yeah. the opposite. Like, look what Taylor Swift's been able to do. Like, come on, right? Politician, by the way, we're probably maybe just want the longest of any Super Bowl preview podcast before bringing up Taylor Swift. So kudos to us that is and true. kudos to you guys for uh listening to us. Thank you guys again for all the support. May all your wildest, you know, gambling dreams come true. And yeah, just uh, enjoy the game. We'll be back with plenty of off-season content, but for at least one more Sunday, just feels good to watch some football. So for Chris, for Dwayne, for producer James, I'm Ian. Thanks again for tuning into the Fantasy Live podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.